0: Welcome to the California Sun podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Scheckman. Today, even in California, with all of its rural beauty, the vast majority of our population lives in cities. Like the rest of the world, the urban migration taking place today is both historic and inevitable. The great San Francisco columnist Herb Kane once said of cities that they should not be judged just by their length and width, but by the broadness of their vision and the height of their dreams. They are in some ways The ultimate achievement of mankind. We're going to talk about cities today as I'm joined by the new president of the California League of Cities, Yountville Mayor John Dunbar. John, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Talk about first what the California League of Cities is, what what its mission is, and uh, how long it's been around.
1: It is a statewide organization that includes about 478 cities throughout the state and includes city officials, uh, staff and we advocate on behalf of local government control. So uh, we work with our legislators. We work with the governor's administration at the state level, but we're really trying to protect how we are able to manage and lead our individual communities.
0: Is there an inherent conflict between the desire for local control on the part of cities and what goes on in Sacramento, which is always trying to exert control on a lot of things in the state?
1: I will say we're very busy engaging with our state leadership. Uh, To answer that question delicately, in in some cases there are pressures that uh, the state feels that don't always align with what we feel at the very local level, but that's very much part of what the league does, which is advocate for those local interests and have significant influence when we talk to our legislators, when we talk to the governor, and explain what it is that we need to protect and how we could be partners together.
0: In addition to, to the inherent conflict with the state, which you're talking about, what about the difference with respect to cities? Certainly the needs of San Francisco or Berkeley or Los Angeles are far different than the needs of Monrovia or Yountville.
1: That's one of the beautiful things about the league. Here I am uh, in a rural community in Northern California, a population under 3,000 residents, yet I'm still the president of this organization. And we've seen organizational leadership from all levels of size, rural versus urban, uh, coastal cities, rural uh, communities. So we are able to represent all those interests. Now, when you have a board of over 50 uh, members, uh, there are diversity of opinions how we should go forward, but it is that collaboration, both at the uh, board level with our membership that we are able to speak with one very strong voice when we do go to Sacramento.
0: And how are those issues resolved in terms of things like, we'll take something like SB50, for example, where small cities may have a very different attitude than, than what the needs are of large cities?
1: SB50 is a very good example. Actually, uh, Senator Scott Wiener from San Francisco, who has been one of the strongest proponents of housing uh, development, especially below market, cities are are absolutely prepared to be partners in that and what we keep asking for is the ability to help manage those uh, issues in our own cities and towns but also we need support and resources from the state level we're seeing unprecedented support from the governor this year to allow us to really set the table for affordable workforce housing trying to find solutions for homelessness we, cities can't do that alone. We, we don't build housing, but we set the table for the development community to build the housing that we so
0: critically need. To what extent is there concern about kind of chasing the population around? There's a lot of talk, for example, in Los Angeles that a lot of the homeless population there, which is so large, has really come from other places in the state and migrated to Los Angeles.
1: We've seen examples, both in Los Angeles and San Francisco, where cities are putting resources together. They're providing services and they're getting people off the street and in more stable housing. The challenge there is as they take people off the street, word gets around and they people realize if they are in a homeless situation, if they go to those cities that have programming, they can then get services they may not be getting in other jurisdictions. So as they take people off the street and provide them services, even more are coming in. So it means we need to do this on a regional level. We need to do this on a statewide level so that it isn't left up to just the major urban areas. Uh, It isn't just northern or southern California. It has to be a
0: comprehensive solution. Talk a little bit about how the league has evolved to to really deal with some of the issues that we've been talking about, the fact that there is this this divide sometimes between small and large cities, more and more control desired by the state. Certainly the league has evolved over time.
1: Well, I've been involved for about 15 years now as an elected official in Youngville, And from the very beginning of uh, joining the Youngville Town Council, I became active in the league. And I've seen an evolution of cooperation, not only w- with cities that have different demographics, large and small Northern and Southern, but also with our county partners. We just had a workshop on Monday of this week uh, in Sacramento on homelessness. There were over 300 elected officials and homeless problem solvers that were in the room talking together. It has been in the past, cities have one perspective, counties have a different perspective. It hasn't always been that way, but we also have a very strong
0: relationship
1: in Sacramento. Governor Newsom has been very engaged with the league and that also gives us a, an even louder more powerful voice.
0: How does it relate to dollars that are often allocated to cities from Sacramento, sometimes based on population, sometimes based on need, and for every city wants its share of the pot? There are two
1: very good examples, very recent examples of that very question. Senate Bill 1, SB 1 funding for transportation infrastructure improvements, took a very strong advocacy effort from the league and other partners to make sure that got through the legislature. We're now seeing all throughout the state, road improvements, repaving of highways that had been pothole, pothole filled. Uh, we're seeing infrastructure improvements up and down the state. That's a very good example of where the state level has provided resources, but it has taken a serious effort from the local level. and. Senate Bill 5, which was just vetoed, unfortunately, by the governor, but had significant support, which we will be revisiting uh, here in 2020, would have provided an ongoing uh, substantial amount of money for affordable housing. So when we're tasked by the governor to build three and a half million new homes within the next five or six years, we need resources to help us at the local level. We also need cooperation from the development community uh, so this can all come to reality and not just be theoretical.
0: Talk about this idea of local control and all cities seem to want it. And that's a fundamental principle of the league as you've talked about it. And yet we're in a world today where problems are so large, so complex sometimes that it really takes regional solutions to, to address them. And that sometimes runs counter to just cities having local control.
1: I think housing is one of the most uh, glaring examples of where there's very serious pressure at the local level and different cities feel differently about it. Here in the San Francisco Bay Area, in, in the North Bay in particular, we feel differently about housing than in other parts of the state. So we do have to find regional solutions. Climate action is another example of needing regional solutions. Cities can't take those types of issues on individually. Sometimes that means we need to uh, negotiate and be cooperative about getting some of what we want, maybe not all of what we want, but it's for the greater good.
0: And is there competition among cities that that comes out within the league with respect, particularly to economic development and and chasing dollars, chasing businesses around the state?
1: The short answer, yes. (laughs) Uh, There's never enough uh, money. There are never enough resources to go around. But this goes back to the collaborative approach that the league takes. And you can imagine the challenges of finding universal acceptance of any particular plan. It rarely, if ever, exists. So modifying, uh, sharing resources, but modifying our goals, our expectations, but also sharing best practices. You know, We learn from our colleagues how to avoid problems, how to be more efficient, how to be more cost effective. There's also the ability to uh, collaborate on purchasing of municipal fleets, for example. Uh, there are ways that we can, again, be stronger and be more effective if we work together. Sometimes that does take compromise.
0: Are there best practices that emerge from this, particularly with respect to the management of cities today?
1: Again, it varies based on size of cities, the general demographics of the cities. There are different priorities. There are always going to be lessons we can learn. Uh, Youngville in particular, has worked with the city of Rancho Cucamonga down in Southern California on, how, on a GIS uh, tracking system that Youngville, as small as we are, with a very lean staff, we could never create uh, a global tracking system that helps us with our infrastructure, with our public works services. But because we are partnering with a city that put that all together, and they were open to sharing that learning, we were able to be very cooperative. We're seeing that with housing development today. Some communities are building tiny homes. Some are building navigation centers that are getting folks not only off the street, and not only in beds, but giving them vocational training so they can stay in a uh, sustainable living situation and get work so they are no longer at risk of being back on the streets.
0: What about federal dollars and the competition for those?
1: Again, there's always competition for resources and money. And as many people understand, the dynamic between the federal government and the state of California is- it's Pretty uh,
0: tense, to <laughs> it's say It's challenging. The least. Uh,
1: there has been some uh, appreciation and some respect, though, uh, in particular with our recent wildfires throughout the state uh, and even the uh, power shutdowns and the power outages. While there may be some uh, question about whom is responsible, ultimately- since there is quite a bit of the wildfire uh, area that is actually federal land and under federal authority, we have seen support from the federal government to help with the catastrophic impacts of some of these wildfires and some of the other uh, intense weather events. So there is cooperation, but also we, re- we absolutely respect the fact that we have s- severe weather uh, events in the middle of the country. And on the East Coast, uh, we're entering the winter where... Uh, the northeast can be you know, hit really hard with with uh, annual weather conditions, so we need to be respectful of the needs throughout the state, while also trying to make sure that we get uh, an appropriate uh, share of those resources.
0: Which really brings up another issue, and that cities are each dealing with in different ways. And I'm curious how the league addresses this, and that is the issue of climate change, and how different cities are dealing with the potential problems and potential solutions.
1: Climate action, climate change, emergency preparedness as it relates also to that uh, climate change has been a strategic priority for the league. That's another good example of how we are sharing best practices and how we are um, working together to be more effective. As I said earlier, uh, climate impacts don't stop at city limits and they have different impacts based on where we are throughout the state. So um, We acknowledge that climate change is happening. We are seeing sea level rise. We're seeing temperatures increase. We're seeing wind events that are an intensity we've never seen before. And so we need to uh, develop our communities smarter. We need to be more fire safe. We need to evaluate things like, should we be building into the the urban-rural interface where we've been seeing some of the significant wildfire impacts, Sonoma County, Lake County. We have to be open-minded to how we are developing our communities, how we are building or not building, Uh, recognizing, again, sea level rise, Highway 37 in the North Bay Area. We're looking at how do we raise that roadway so that it can continue to be a critical artery for four counties to be connected. Uh, So, it's an ongoing process, and we're also making it a priority uh, at the league level.
0: Talk a little bit about the debate in terms of, of what these potential solutions are, because different communities have different needs, and as a question, it seems to me, about who's going to pay for it. I mean, obviously the dangers, you know, for Malibu or Laguna are a lot different than they are in the central, for cities in the Central Valley.
1: I think that's where we're seeing a, a kind of a transition to regional perspective, while still protecting the independent and individual interest and needs of cities and towns. We can combine resources, which often means money, but not always. Uh, so we need to be having conversations together, which we are doing, uh, and I think they're being very productive, but we need to be open to the individual needs of our cities and then put those interests together to find really strong
0: collaborative solutions. Talk a little bit about the practical side of this. There are, you said 500 and something cities that are part of the league. It's a little like herding cats. I mean, talk about the practical aspect of how the organization works and and how it does come to whatever decisions it does arrive at.
1: We have, as I mentioned, a 54-member board. Uh, We have 16 divisions. That's a lot right there. That is, that is. We have 16 divisions in the league representing the various jurisdictions throughout the state. Within the North Bay division, for example, we have over 30 cities and four counties. We meet quarterly, but then each division will work together on a statewide level to share best practices, learnings. Maybe there is something being learned in uh, wildfire or, or forest management in Southern California through the league and our resources and staff, we can be sharing that information in Northern California where we might not have experienced the same thing, but the solutions make sense. Uh, Mutual aid, putting Cal Fire resources out in the field prior to a fire event during a significant weather uh, forecast, those are the types of learnings we've seen that have been effective in Northern California and in Southern California. Even we're looking at PG&E, which is such a a big topic these days. The utility company, how they deliver power. How are they going to improve their infrastructure and their service delivery? Well, there have been Southern California utility companies that are far uh, better prepared, have invested significantly more. How do we take those learnings in those cities in Southern California and convince PG&E, I will say, convince them this is in their best interest as well as in the best interest and safety of our residents.
0: Putting PG&E aside for the moment, there's a big push led by the mayor of San Jose and and some other mayors talking about uh, municipal utilities, municipalities wanting to take over power supply in their communities. What's being discussed in that regard within the California League of Cities?
1: There are challenges, especially with infrastructure that exists and I know the San Francisco's talked about creating their own district Sacramento already has uh, but you basically are looking at taking over an infrastructure that PG&E currently owns and operates that needs significant investment and improvement and updating uh, I don't know that that's necessarily the way cities want to go buying infrastructure that immediately needs major maintenance that's been deferred. Uh, We've already seen a shift in the power delivery model with what used to be called Marin Clean Energy, now just known as MCE. We're already seeing a shift in the power generation piece. We now are looking at the interest in shifting the infrastructure and delivery model. It is very complicated though, because if you don't take on the existing infrastructure how do you build it? It's astronomically expensive, I'm sure. Do you put in overhead lines? Do you underground utilities? Each has their positives and negatives. Or do you take over and buy out a large utility like a PG&E, break it up into pieces, and then try to maintain, improve, and operate that independently? Larger cities like San Jose, Oakland, San Francisco, Sacramento, L.A., they might be able to do that. Smaller areas in a a predominantly rural, agriculturally dominated area, much more challenging and maybe not in our best interest. But we would still want to collaborate with partners in the region to see if there might be a solution that works for all of us.
0: Is this more of a sensitive issue now? One, because of the fires, obviously, and and the blackouts and the the power shutoffs that PG&E is engaged in, but also shifting public opinion on this. And each of these People that are on the board or are part of the, your organization really have constituents that they're answerable to, that they're looking at a very shifting political landscape as well. Yeah, you see
1: pressure at the state level from the governor, who's been very critical of how uh, PGE has operated with the planned shutoffs. Uh, we've seen legislators being critical, but there's also a fundamental appreciation that we still need power service. Um, So we need to figure out ways that we can be supportive with a utility like PG&E, but also make sure that we're protecting our our citizens in the process. It's going to take uh, PG&E to be, um, maybe it is a change of priorities within that organization to um, invest more in safety and uh, reliability of the infrastructure, uh, but also acknowledging at the league level Cities see this differently. There are some cities that feel like they're in a very strong position with the types of uh, partnerships that they have. Right now, we're feeling very challenged about that up in Northern California with three significant fires in the last three years, and in Lake County, even more fires over the last four or five years. Undergrounding utilities is not the one and only solution. We're still an earthquake state. When you put utilities underground and there's an earthquake you may have breakages uh, that then are harder to fix, more expensive to fix, take longer to fix. Undergrounding utilities solves potentially a wildfire concern, but it may create a different concern. So we need to continue to evaluate what are the best solutions and not react too quickly without thinking through as much as we can.
0: After this last spade of fires that were several stories that and columns written over the past couple of weeks, really, about how bad things are in California. This is the end of California. People are leaving California. All this, this doom and gloom. A lot of it is just an immediate knee-jerk reaction to what's going on. But certainly the electeds that are part of the league, the people that you deal with, the people that are part of your board, have to have a sensitivity to this. And what are you hearing in terms of how they're reacting to all this doom and gloom that's out there?
1: It is challenging, just like we learned back in October of 2017, the perception that uh, the nation feels, even globally, because we are an international destination. I was just speaking with somebody that, that came to visit from Florida, and the, the expectation was there were still fires burning throughout the state, that, that we were charred. And absolutely, when you have over 100,000 acres burned, and many homes destroyed, and many people displaced, and even lives lost, that is a disaster that we would hope to never see again. However, we need to get the message out that we are a beautiful state. We have businesses that need support. We don't want to see the ongoing impacts in a negative way. As businesses had to close, due to wildfire evacuations, due to power shutdowns, those businesses can't afford to not have the income even for a few days in some cases. So the messaging that we as electeds need to continue to get out there is we are open for business. You can still have the amazing experiences that you expect from California. And so that's really our focus now. But we also have to recognize there's a significant economic impact that we need to be aware of and we need to continue to um,
0: support on a very high level. And is that going to be going forward part of the mission of the California League of Cities? In many ways, when one thinks about, yes, we're open for business and getting that message out that, that the fires didn't destroy everything, that there's a certain sort of chamber of commerce aspect to that. To what extent is that now part of something that, that the League of Cities is thinking about?
1: Being a, a strategic priority for us in 2019, even before these fires, and I absolutely anticipated remaining a priority for the league as an organization for the resiliency, the preparedness, and the economic uh, impacts of these types of uh, natural disasters, we will be needing to get the message out. Absolutely. And it is a very delicate balance to not make it here that we aren't respecting the impacts, especially to individuals' lives. But we also have to have the reality that is we are a a massive economy in California. We are a service-oriented economy that we provide natural beauty you cannot have anywhere else in the country and in very few places around the world. So yes, there is a messaging. We work with our chambers of commerce. We work with the state chamber of commerce to make sure the messaging is out there. I was just recently on CNN International News, uh, Skyping from my kitchen counter, talking about wildfires and the power shutoffs in California and the the perception around the world and how are we going to handle if this is a new reality, which we hope it is not, um, how we are going to minimize those impacts and also make sure that the world knows that we are still that amazing place to come visit and appreciate all that we provide.
0: How do you think the country sees California these days?
1: One thing that I talk to people about is keeping this in perspective. We are seeing a frequency and an intensity in California with some of these uh, weather-related uh, disasters that seem to be more frequent and, and more impactful. But recognizing that every year there are tornadoes in the middle of the country. Every year there are hurricanes and there are uh, very challenging winter weather conditions in the Northeast. And and every year they recover, uh, they rebuild and they um, they are resilient. California is equally, if not more resilient. We are just facing challenges that, that have a little bit higher profile. And I think it's because California is such an amazing state. We have so many resources that are unique to our state, uh, not only along the coast, but throughout California. We have such a, a, a massive and significant agricultural component that really feeds the whole country. And we're going to make sure that everyone still knows that.
0: John Dunbar, mayor of Yountville, the new president of the California League of Cities. I thank you so much for coming in.
1: Thank you very much, Jeff.